I want to uh, continue from Pastor Vincent's message last year, last week. So last week he was preaching on the kingdom life, talking about how uh, that you and I as believers need to be influencers in the seven pillars of society. How you and I are to be like leaven, just a little bit of leaven put into the society and then we can bring forth change. But here lies in a, real, a, a, a little bit of a distinction. Yes, that's our heart. That's God's desire. That's what we hope to do. But in reality, so many of us live a separation of the sacred and the secular. There is a differentiation between how we live our lives in the sacred and how we live our lives in the secular. We come to church on a Sunday and we put on our Christian vest. But when we step out of the church and we go back to our workplaces, we go back to our, work, uh, to our homes, we go back to our community, are you consistently the child of God that is found in church out there in the secular? And where there is a divide and a separation between the sacred and the secular, you'll find that the, that the things of God, the desire of God of wanting you to be that influencer is not at its optimum level. So God wants us to bridge that sacred and the secular. God wants us to be the same consistent child of God in the church, in your schools, in your workplaces, in your communities, in wherever, in whatever that you do, that there is no separation of the sacred and the secular. Christians must view your calling, your position, your vocation, and again, I say, whether you are a student, whether you are a homemaker, whether you are in the arts or in the business world or in the government world, whatever pillar of society that you're in, you need to fulfill your calling and be that opportunity of bringing the light of God where you are. In whatever sphere that you are in, may you be that light. May you be the difference maker. And all this to be done for the benefit of humanity and for the glory of God. This, my friends, is the cultural mandate of the church. You are called to be a difference. You are called to be an atmosphere changer. You are called to be an influencer and not the influence. But yet, there is a separation in our lives, our daily living of the sacred and the secular. So today I want to share with you how you can bridge that differentiation, how you can bridge that separation. Would you be interested to find out? Yeah? So the bridge to that separation of the sacred and secular lies in the anointing of God. You hear this so often, the anointing. You know, we use it, it's a very Christian term. You look at someone and they go, wow, so anointed, huh? Wow, you know, the worship's so anointed, huh? Oh, the pastor, very anointed, you know. But do you understand who is the anointed and what is the anointing? So today we're going to search the scriptures so that you have an understanding of what is the anointing of God. Who is the anointed? What is the source and the availability of the anointing of God? So we begin by firstly understanding what is the Greek New Testament term for anointing. And it's kiro. Kiro. Kiro means this to smear or to rub. To smear or to rub. That's kiro. 
Kero is that anointing Greek word. And the implication is this, that when you have kero, when you have the anointing, then by implication, it means you are consecrated to office or to a religious service. When you have the anointing, by implication, it means this, you are consecrated for office or religious service. So if you were to look at Old Testament times, you will find priests are anointed. Aaron was anointed with oil. You will find prophets are anointed. So Elijah was anointed with oil. You find kings anointed. So Samuel anointed David. And when David was anointed, he was then appointed king. So in the Old Testament, the anointing is a representation of consecration to office or religious service. And then we come into New Testament times. And you find that, eh, how come these days we're not so regularly doing that anointing act? That is not something that needs to be practiced like before in the Old Testament times. And the reason is because of Jesus. Jesus being the anointed one when He comes into their life with the power of the Holy Spirit, you then as a child of God are anointed. You then as a child of God are in the third definition of hero, the anointed one. Let me bring your attention to Acts chapter 10 verse 38. Do you know this? That when Jesus came in His ministry on, the, on, on earth, yes, He was fully God, but He was also fully man. And take a look at this scripture, Acts 10, 38. Jesus was anointed. He said this, the Word of God says this, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with Him. So Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And if Jesus needs that anointing of the Holy Spirit and power in order to go around, to do good, to break the chains of the enemy, to bring forth healing and to have the presence of God, what more you and I? You and I need that anointing. And where is the source of that anointing? It comes from the Holy Spirit. The source of the anointing in our lives comes from the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this. Brothers and sisters, how many of us here have the Holy Spirit? Yes, we all have the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you are anointed. All believers are anointed upon Pentecost, the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit and we are anointed. It is not one person more greater than the other, not one person more privileged than the other to receive an anointing, but all believers through what Jesus has done on the cross are anointed. Are you clear? All right, so we're going to move on. Now that you understand the source of the anointing and the availability of the anointing, now what is the anointing given for? Is there a purpose for this anointing? It's not an anointing just so that you feel good. It's not an anointing just so that you feel assured in your Christian life. It is anointing that has a purpose. So I'm going to bring you through four parts of Scripture that gives us an understanding. What is this purpose for the anointing? 
And really, it starts off with being the power to be a witness. First Acts 1, 8. The first purpose of the anointing is so that you can be a witness. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The very first reason why this anointing is given to us is so that we can be witnesses. It's so that you will have that dynamic power to be a witness of the good news. You have that dynamic power right in your sphere, right in your pillar of society to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That God will anoint you with an enablement beyond your human abilities. Humanly, we can only do so much. Our words can only carry so far. But with the anointing of God, when you stand in the gap, when you become that witness for Jesus Christ, there comes a dynamic, like a dynamite power that comes forth and it brings transformation. People are touched. People begin to know. People begin to understand. So you are important, church brothers and sisters, in wherever that you are placed, in whatever that you do. You know, sometimes we think that, oh, I'm not so important. So, you know, I let somebody else, you know, who is more influential, more in position to do that difference, to, to share the gospel. It's not true. Every one of us, like Pastor Vincent said last week, are influencers. And if you can understand that the anointing is purposed for being a witness, then wherever that you go and whatever that you do, you will then have that bonus. You will then have that dynamic power to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? So as you are going through your daily, daily work, your daily vocation, your daily duties, your daily responsibilities. May there be a consciousness in your mind that the anointing upon your life is so that you can be a witness. So Acts 10.38 also mentioned that when Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit and power, it was to enable Him to do good. So this anointing that's upon our lives is to allow us and to enable us to do good. Now, the word to do good only appears in the New Testament twice. And the, uh, the explanation of that Greek word to do good is that you are a benefactor. You are like a philanthropist. So, Bill Gates is a well-known philanthropist in this world. So, he's very generous. He invests millions, you know, to help the poor. Now, you don't need to be a Bill Gates. You don't need to have the millions or the billions, you have the anointing. And it is the anointing that is going to enable you and empower you in wherever you are, in whatever you do, to do good, to be a benefit, to be a benefactor, to be a, like a philanthropist in the community and in the area and where God has planted you. It is an enablement, again, beyond your natural ability that you can then take up that mental, take up that understanding, take up that, that reality that there is no separation, no difference between the sacred and the secular, but as the same consistent child of God, you do good 
where God has placed you. You do good beyond what is your natural ability. You do good because the Holy Spirit inspires you. You do good because the Lord your God enables you to be generous, to be a benefactor to humanity. Church, are you with me? So the purpose of the anointing, besides being that powerful witness for Him, is that enablement for you to do good. You can be generous. You can be kind. You can be loving because the anointing of God is upon your life. That is the next purpose of that anointing. And then you go on to other part of a scripture. It says here in Isaiah. Now, before I go there, Acts 10.38, there are two parts to it. It talks about how Jesus went around doing good but he also went around because of the power of the Holy Spirit to heal the sick. So that is the other aspect, the spiritual aspect that comes from the anointing. When you are anointed of God, you have the power to be a witness. You have the ability to be generous and to be a benefactor to those around you. You also have the spiritual ability to bring forth healing to those who need a touch of God. So it is not just when the pastor pray, then someone will get healed. It is not just when the cell leader, you know, lay hands and pray for somebody who is not well, then you will see the power of God. My friends, you and I are the same child of God. And in each of us is that anointing that comes from the Holy Spirit that brings forth healing. And so when you go to the hospital, when you know of somebody who is sick, when you know of somebody who is depressed, when you know of somebody who is in need of a touch of God, when you pray, there is an anointing. When you speak forth, there is an anointing because you are anointed of the Holy Spirit. So with that, when you go forth into the secular, understand this that you are purposed for the kingdom of God. You are purposed to be a witness. You are purposed to be a benefactor. You are purposed to bring healing. You know, our world today is so broken. It is so broken. The society today is so desperately in need of help because of the many, many, many challenges they go through. And maybe in your mind, you are thinking, let's leave it to the trained professionals to make a difference. Let's leave it to the doctors and the, and the scientists, you know, to come up with the next method that will bring healing. It is the Lord God Almighty and His, His anointing that will make a difference, that will bring forth the healing that people need. So may you be that channel of healing. May you be that channel of anointing. By faith, that's what it takes. You don't know what the outcome would be, but when you release that faith, God is at work. When you release that faith, the anointing is at work. When you release that faith, God is at work. Something will happen. Maybe you don't see the results there and then. Sometimes we can jong a bit, huh? a little bit anxious, right? A little bit impatient. You know, the world has made us such because got microwave, you know, you turn on the television at the click of a button, everything is really at your fingertips. The world and the society today makes us a lot more impatient. But with the things of God, we don't need to be impatient. We only need to trust. 
So I went to missions trip with um, three other members. And one of them is Debbie. Debbie is here with me today, is in the service today. And Debbie is her first maiden trip to Vietnam. She has been to another trip before, and that was to Cambodia. And this time, she followed me to Vietnam. And I'm so thankful that I'm back in one piece because she almost broke my arm crossing the road. Yeah, really. Yeah, so the, <laughs> the first time we crossed the road, right, she will hold on to my arm. And uh, she will considerate. La. She will stand where the traffic direction is, huh? So that means the car's coming this way, uh, she will stand there and she will hold my arm. So she's very considerate. She don't put me at risk. Anything happened, she can first, then I'm spared, yeah? Yeah, so very, thanks, Debbie. Thanks for being so considerate. I, I noticed that. So she held my arm. She held my arm so tight. And when we crossed the road, right, she will scream. She screamed, no, scream all the way. I said, Debbie, don't look at the traffic. Look ahead. Look ahead. Look ahead, trust me, trust me. Wow, I tell you, a few times, it took like three times of crossing the road. And then I knew that she began to trust me when she let go of the tension on my arm. I said, oh, very good. Now you're not scared already. Now you trust your pastor that I'm not going to kill you crossing the road. <laughs> so I taught her, focus, just look ahead. And I told her, trust me, in the same way God works in our lives. In the same way, God, the Holy Spirit is saying to us, look ahead, look forward, don't worry, trust me. Trust me because I am with you. And when you have that trust in the Lord, when you recognize that the Lord is with you, which is the third part of Acts 10, chapter 38, that wherever Jesus went, that when He was doing good, when He was healing the sick, when He was casting out demons, they could recognize that the Lord God was with him. And so when you have that anointing, when you recognize that anointing, as you become that witness, as you become that benefactor, as you become the channel of his healing, then people will see and recognize that God is with you. People will see and recognize that you are different you're like, not like a common person. Something about you stands out. And that thing that stands out is the anointing of God. Only the anointing of God that is upon your life can differentiate you from the rest of the secular people. So we need to recognize this anointing is upon us. What do we need to do with this anointing? This anointing becomes a responsibility upon every believer that you will be a witness for the Lord, that you will be a benefactor wherever that you go, that you will bring forth healing to the needy and to those who are sick. And the third part of the purpose of this anointing is that it will break every yoke of the enemy. It breaks the yoke of the enemy. If you understand what is the yoke, the yoke is placed on an animal in order to control the animal. So if you have a yoke on you, then you are controlled by the enemy. And the anointing that God has placed in your life allows you the empowerment, the authority to break the yoke of the enemy. So wherever you are, in whatever you do, you don't need pastor to be there to cast out demons. There is an anointing upon your life. And with that anointing, you can say to the enemy, get out. 
I command you to live even right now in the mighty name of Jesus. That anointing breaks every yoke of the enemy. Why? Because the presence of God is with you. The presence of God follows after you. The presence of God enables you with His anointing. So it is stated here in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. It shall come to pass in that day that His burden will be taken away from your shoulder and the, His yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. With the anointing comes the authority. The authority that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. The authority to cast out demons. The authority to command. The authority that allows you to bring restoration and salvation. You can't save, but you bring the good news. And when you bring the good news, God saves. And then salvation can come into the life of that person. The authority and the anointing allows you to break the yoke of the enemy. So every person who is not a believer is in the darkness. And so in order to free them from darkness, in order to free them from the yoke of the enemy, in order to free them from the, the stronghold of the enemy, then you and I as believers need to stand in the gap. Understanding that as the anointing is upon us, the yoke can be broken in the mighty name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen? So that is the anointing that is given to you. It is to allow you to be a witness. It is to allow you to be a benefactor by the grace of God. That, that, that uh, philanthropist that goes around doing good. And as you are doing that, you are also enabled to bring forth healing to the sick and those who need hope in their lives. And when you do that, as you exercise that witnessing, as you exercise that, uh, that opportunity to do good unto lives, people will see. And when they see your life, they will recognize that the presence of God is with you. They will recognize that you're not the same. You're not a regular Joe. You're different. And what makes you different? It is the anointing of God. It's the anointing that enables an authority upon your life. And when you understand that your authority that you have, you will not be intimidated by the devil. The devil has no hold on you because you are a child of God. When you recognize the anointing, the authority that you carry because the presence of God is with you, the devil will not, will not harm you. The devil cannot harm you. You can then arise in your faith and begin to command. You can arise in your faith and begin to declare, I am a child of God. Devil, you have to get out. You have no place in this room. You have no place in this family. You have no place in this life. You can bind the enemy and the enemy's yoke will be broken. Hallelujah. That is the anointing that you carry. That is the purpose of the anointing that God has given you. And I'll bring you to a next portion of scripture. Now this one a little bit longer. I've not, besides 1 John 2.20, you also need to take note of 1 John 2.27. So they are in the same passage. You go back, you can go through the scriptures 
because they take a lot of space on the, on the screen. But with this, you can go back and review and seek God and seek more understanding of what has been shared today. And so the fourth thing for the purpose of the, whole, of the anointing upon your life is to know truth. Scripture says this, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So the anointing upon your life is so that you are enabled to know truth. Now, we live in a world where truth, lies, fake, counterfeit, reality, they're all a little bit jumbled up. And here the scripture is teaching us because of the Holy Spirit in your life, because of that anointing that you carry, you are enabled to know the truth. So let me read to you 1 John 2.20. So 1 John 2.20 says this, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. Now what was happening is that John is addressing believers and they had gotten confused, detracted, distracted by wrong teaching. And he was writing to them to encourage them, hey, child of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, you are anointed. You are anointed. And because you are anointed by the Holy One, you will know the truth. All of you will know the truth. So the anointing enables us to know what is the truth of God. What is of God and what is not. What is this, the, the enablement of discernment? It is a spirit of discernment that God gives you to recognize, is this of God or is this counterfeit? Is this of God or is this a fake? So there have been a few times that I've been on missions trip and during worship, they will worship God and then suddenly start dancing like this. And it looks like they are worshipping God. It looks that they are expressing a manner of worshipping God. But the Spirit will allow you to discern that that is not of God. It is a counterfeit spirit. It is the fake move of the devil. And when you can recognize that, when you know what is truth, you have then the authority and the anointing in Jesus' name. Get out and bring forth deliverance to that person. So you see how important you recognize that anointing that you have? Turn to your neighbor and say, you are anointed. You are anointed. You have that anointing. So the anointing enables you to know truth. And it is beyond just the discernment of the wrong or the right spirit. It is also to give you understanding of teaching and the Word of God. So let me read to you 1 John 2.27. Make sure you write down, yeah? 2.27. I didn't put it down on the slide. Michelle, maybe you can include for me later on. For 1 John 2.27 says this, As for you, the anointing you received from Him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real and not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in Him. So the anointing that you receive from the Holy Spirit is like an illuminator. An illuminator means it will help you to understand. It will help you to have deeper uh, grasp of what is the teachings of God. 
So when you are taught wrongly, then you will know that this is not what it means. This is not how it's supposed to be. So the Holy Spirit anointing upon you is to have an understanding of His teachings. So as you read the Word of God, yes, there is an impartation when we go for classes, when we attend classes, and then, you know, we learn from the teacher, we learn from the pastors. That is important as well. But here, John is, is encouraging all believers. Beyond that, know this, that you have the Holy Spirit and you have the anointing. That when you go through teaching, when you go through the reading of the Word of God, you will have understanding because He will bring illumination, He will bring understanding to the Word of God. And therefore, you will know truth. Are you with me? So interesting, yeah? So that's what the anointing does. In a big picture, the anointing of God that has been given to you, firstly, is so that you can be a, you have the power to be a witness. That wherever you are, don't hold back. That you be that dynamite. No lah, no need to be so crazy, crazy. You know, if you don't have Jesus, you go to hell. No, we're not so crazy. But it's that you have that dynamite power, that boldness to share the love of God. To share in every opportunity what God has done in your life and what God wants to do in their life. That you will not be afraid or shy or intimidated in any way, but you will arise to be that witness in these last days. It is a fact that we are in last days. Look at the world. Look at the warnings that Jesus has given us. And so obviously we are in last days. And there is nothing in life that we can bring to heaven. Do you know that? All your acclamations, all your achievements, all the wealth that you built, the day that God brings you home, you can't bring any of that. Nothing of that follows you. In heaven, we are all the same. We'll all be worshipping the Lord. But one thing that you can do, you can populate heaven with more souls. That's one thing that you can bring. You bring souls with you to the kingdom of God. You start saving the lost. That is our priority. That is the primary purpose of the anointing of God that has been given to us. And with that anointing comes the enablement so that you can go around doing good. That you be that benefactor. You bring that benefit to humanity. And as you bring that benefit to humanity and bring, be that channel of healing to those who are sick, who are needy, who are lost, as you become that person who stands in the gap, all this will be done for the glory of God. And you'll be recognized. You'll be seen. You'll be differentiated. People can tell that you're not the same. That is the power of the anointing. And lastly, the anointing allows us to know truth. Truth of what is God, discernment to differentiate what is of the Lord and what is not of God, and understanding of the Word of God. He, what, he then operates like an immune illuminator. And the Holy Spirit is always with you, always with you, bringing a light, bringing understanding, bringing what is needed for you to continue to be anointed of the Lord. So I want to encourage you, bridge that separation of the sacred and the secular by recognizing that the anointing of God is upon your life and that you have a purpose. I want to go on to explain about the types of anointing. So Jensen Franklin, in his uh, sermon that the anointing makes a difference, identified that 
through the Bible, there are three types of anointing. And the first being a saturating anointing. So what does it look like? What does this anointing look like? The first is a saturating anointing. And that is from uh, the anointing of Aaron as Moses anointed Aaron in Psalms 133.2. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard and beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. Moses poured anointing oil on Aaron's head and it flowed down Aaron's hair, past his beard, onto his clothes, all the way down to his feet. He was drenched in the anointing. So when God pours out the anointing upon your life, it is not just one part of you, but in every part of you, the desire of the Lord is to saturate you in, your anoint, in the anointing of God, is to fill you till the overflowing, is to fill you not just so that you have enough, but is to fill you so that you can overflow in the anointing. And when you overflow in the anointing, it's not tiring to serve God. It's not difficult to serve God. It doesn't become a chore to serve God. Why? Because the anointing is upon you and you are overflowing in the power and the presence of God. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? To understand that the saturated anointing of God that we have upon our lives will be empowering and it is enabling. And the second kind of anointing is this. It is the fresh anointing. And so the psalmist David wrote this in Psalm, 1, Psalm 92, 10. Psalm 92, 10. That anointing needs to be fresh. Many of us here are satisfied with yesterday's anointing. Yesterday, I received a touch from God. Kaulo, okay la. Okay lah, you know, ending until you come to the next stage, right? Where you're like, oh yo, God, I need you. Then you start seeking Him again and asking Him for the anointing. My friends, the anointing needs to be fresh every single day. Every single day, God wants to release a fresh anointing upon your lives. It is fresh. It is new. It is for today. It is for the days that are to come. So every day, may there be a fresh anointing upon your lives. That fresh anointing that will enable you to fulfill the purpose that God has raised you up for in such a time as this. So you need to be found Pressing into the anointing. Are you found pressing into the anointing? Are you found desiring that fresh anointing of God every single day? Every single day, Lord, if you don't have, if I don't have a touch from you, it's not going to enable me, it's not going to empower me. I need that touch, I need that fresh anointing. Are you seeking Him the day by day fresh anointing? And the third type of anointing is anointing of wisdom and favour. So again, back to 1 John 2.20. When John wrote to the believers addressing their distraction and their detraction from their faith, he said to them, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. So to know all things means this, that the anointing of God gives wisdom. 
You have a wisdom, as James says, that is from above. A wisdom to understand the things of God. A wisdom that is knowledge beyond human capacity and human understanding. There is a wisdom that comes from above. And the anointing, the third type of anointing is anointing of wisdom. And when you have this anointing of wisdom, it enables you to uh, differentiate, it enables you to have direction in moments of decision. The anointing brings you the spirit of wisdom. What am I to do? Now, I understand that in life, we make many, many choices. And the normal approach is this, that I'll sort it out myself. I'll figure it out. And then when we cannot figure it out, when we can't sort it out, then only we begin to say, oh, God, can you help me? God, can you help me to work this out? Lord, I, I, need, I need direction from you. Here, the Word of God is reminding us, you are anointed with wisdom. And it means this, that the first thing you should do is ask God for direction. The first step that we do in, in, in any crossroad, in any decision-making, is to ask of the Lord, Lord, grant me wisdom that I can make the right decision. Lord, grant me wisdom that I know what is of you. And it's so beautiful when we do that because it spares us really from a lot of heartache. Now, is the journey with God easy? No, it's never easy. The journey of a believer is not very easy. Look at Jesus. When he took on the cross, was it easy for him? Was it comfortable? Was it something that he, he naturally wanted to do? No, it was difficult. There was a price to pay, but he understood what he needed to do. And by the grace of God, he was able to do it. And so with the same anointing that is upon us, God will enable you. God will empower you, even when it's difficult to be able by His grace to do what He has called you to do. Even when it's challenging beyond your own understanding, beyond your own capacity, God will supernaturally enable you to do what He has called and purposed you to do. That is the anointing. And the beautiful thing is this, not will you just have wisdom and understanding of the things of God, the anointing brings favour. It is favor of God that follows after you. Psalm 23, all the days of your life, His goodness and mercy will follow after you. It is the favor of God that wherever you go, when you bridge that sacred and the secular, you will have the favor of God upon you. Hallelujah! The favor of God follows you into your workplace, into your colleges, into your homes. It is the favor of God that brings you into the hospital, into your, your government offices, into whatever sphere that God has placed you to be. God has granted you an anointing of wisdom and favor. The anointing makes a difference. Makes a difference between a boy with a slingshot and the hero that takes down a giant. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. When Samuel anointed David, 
there came a transformation because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost has already been given. And so when we are given the Holy Spirit, it is to bring forth a transformation in our lives, a transformation like never before. So David, slingshot, just playing with his, with his pebbles and stones, was empowered to bring down a giant. He became a hero. David, upon the anointing, became from a shepherd boy into a king that ruled the nations. That is the anointing that God has given us that differentiates us and transforms us and brings us into the fullness of His blessing and purpose for us. You know, the anointing in its original context is this, um, that it was uh, in the practice of shepherds to anoint sheep. Meh, sheep, huh? Sheep. So the shepherds would anoint the sheep with oil. Why? Because the sheep were constantly disturbed by insects and by fleas. But when they anoint the sheep with oil, that's why the word rub and smear in its original meaning, when they rub and anoint the sheep with oil, then the insects cannot land onto the sheep. Yeah? So when the insects come and land onto the sheep, they will have, it will fall off. It will slip off. So in the same way today, as we are anointed of the Holy Spirit, it is symbolically, it is symbolically representing blessing, protection, and empowerment. That is what you have. When you're anointed of the Lord, symbolically, it is a representation of blessing, protection, and empowerment. I want to conclude today's sermon by sharing with you how to increase anointing in your life. Would you like to know that? Yes? How can you increase anointing in your life? Now, I'm not going to tell you how because we are all in different stages of life. We are all in different seasons. We are all different age, you know, different, uh, different uh, you know, experiences in life presently. So I'm going to leave you with four questions. And so I'm giving you homework today. Ken? Yes? And I believe that as you go home and as you reflect on these questions, as you reflect on these areas, the Holy Spirit is going to do a work. And as the Holy Spirit does that work, you will then have the illumination. You will then have the wisdom of God. What you need to align in your life to bridge the sacred and the secular. It is an alignment. When you bring it into alignment, everything falls into place. So I'll leave you with four questions. And so you've got homework to do. Write it down. <laughs> Take a picture something lah. Okay? Go home in your devotional time. Seek the Lord. And honestly, honestly answer these questions. Honestly. I'm not there to hear your answer. Don't worry. It is between you and the Lord. But you need to be very honest. And the more honest you are, the more open you are, the more willing you are to allow the Holy Spirit to speak, you're going to find that alignment. The bridging of the sacred and the secular and the fullness of His anointing upon your life. First area, prayer. Now, as we go through this, you can also think about the lives of the disciples. So all the disciples that were in the upper room, and as Pentecost took place, as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, with the fulfillment of the promise of God, 
every single one of them were transformed. They were never the same again. Every one of the disciples, regardless doctor, fisherman, regardless how far they were from God, how meek they were in their character, had a transformation like never before. And you will find that throughout their ministry in the New Testament, prayer was fundamental. Prayer is basic. It is necessary. If you desire intimacy with God, you can't run away from spending time with Him. If you desire more of the Lord, you know, kiro means to rub or to smear. So we need to rub in the presence of God. We need to rub in and be in His presence. So it requires prayer and prayer is naturally com complemented with seasons of fasting. And as the disciples practice prayer and fasting, their anointing increased in their life. I leave this question with you. First one, do you pray? Do you pray? And as you honestly ask this question and respond, I am sure that the Lord will lead you and prompt you to probe into this area of prayer and seasons of fasting in our lives. Secondly is presence. I share with you that the anointing represents the presence and the power of God. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So my next question is this. Do you carry the presence of God with you? Wherever and whatever you do. Are you consciously, are you mindfully recognizing that the presence of God is with me? Do you carry the presence of God? Third, purpose. Purpose. Because why? Purpose brings vision and clarity. Purpose brings direction. When you know your purpose, you are fixed. You know what to do, you know where to go. Then I ask you this, do you know God's purpose? What is God's purpose for you? There is no comparison. I don't need to compare with my fellow pastors. I don't need to compare with my peers or anybody else. I am who I am as you are who you are. But God has a purpose for you. What is God's purpose for you? Do you know His purpose? And lastly, is pursuit. We have 24 hours in a day. What do you pursue? Do you pursue the things of God? Are you intentionally prioritizing, focusing your energy into the things of God? Are you purposed? Are you pursuing the things of God? And I believe that as you hone in into these four areas and honestly evaluate, God will bring an alignment. And when that alignment comes together, bridging the sacred and the secular, you will find the anointing of your life continually increase because the fresh anointing will be poured out. I want to invite you to declare this scripture with me. In Luke chapter 4, next slide please. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to 19, before Jesus began his ministry, in the temple, he made a declaration of this scripture. And this scripture is fulfillment of prophecy from Isaiah. And I believe that even as we declare this scripture together, the same anointing upon Jesus will become the anointing that we will inherit, that we will rise up to 
as a church, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as disciples of God, as children of the Most High God. Amen? Would you rise with me even as we make this declaration together? Are you ready? Are you ready? Now you declare it with authority because the anointing of God is with you. You declare it believing, convicted, because the anointing of God is upon you. And I believe that as we declare it together, God is going to do that deeper work in our lives. The Holy Spirit is going to bring a transformation in our lives like never before. At the count of three. One, two, three. The Spirit of the Lord is... Hallelujah. Let's give God the glory. Worship team. Even as the worship team leads us in a song this, at, the, at this point, I'd like to invite you just to reflect on what has been shared in the message today. That you are anointed. What has God purposed you to do? I'd like to invite the pastors, the ministers to come forward with the anointing oil. And I mentioned to you in my message today, today the anointing oil is symbolic. It is symbolic of the blessing, the protection, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And today I'd like to ask the pastors and the ministers to come forward with the anointing oil. I believe that the presence of the Lord is in this place. And that as each one of you, those who who desire a fresh anointing upon your lives, that as you are anointed with oil, the Holy Spirit will refresh you and renew you today. Amen. Amen. Can I have the pastors to come forward? Thank you, Jesus. The anointing oil is in their hands. And I'd like to open the altar. Today, if you desire for a fresh anointing, If you desire for God to just anoint you anew for a new season in your life, will you just come forward and receive that fresh anointing?